loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome, everybody, to the newest edition of Pick and Pod. This is WFUV Sports' number one source for all talk, news, debates, gossip. Anything NBA, whatever it is, whether we're, we're, we're chatting about coaches' schemes, we're chatting about contenders versus pretenders, it's all here. This is your home for basketball talk at WFUV Sports. Knicks, Nets, all things around the association. I'm Chris Percyinen, your A host today, but there's no real hosts if you ask me because... And condolences to the immune system of one Julia Moss, who is not feeling too great. Couldn't make this episode. Julia, we hope you're feeling better soon. Miss you on the show. Uh, I have just one partner alongside me today. This will be a duel of sorts, but I, I, I something tells me we'll agree a little more than we disagree just based on us talking hoops in the past. I have alongside me Owen Kelty ready to get going and talk about all the latest in the National Basketball Association. Before we do that, Owen, we're almost about to wrap up break. Talk to me about the emotional thermometer right now in regards to your return to Fordham University. You know, it's going to it's going to be a little bit sad, but I'm kind of I'm kind of ready to go back, get back into school, get ready into like get back into things. We we have a nice break, like only a month long. Some schools have like two months off, way too much time. Yeah, I, I appreciate like being in the swing of things. Um, there's something about the orderliness that comes with a school schedule and working games. It's like, it's, it, you know, you got stuff to do. It's nice at home. Yeah, you have a little more work to do to fill that schedule up. But if you're like Owen and I, you're spending all your time talking and watching hoops anyway. So let's cut to the chase. Get to this NBA talk. I, I'm going to start out somewhere different from where we usually start. We usually start. Uh, at, at what is geographically the closest NBA arena to Fordham University. It's on 34th and 8th down at Madison Square Garden. But I think today we owe Barclays a little bit of a trip first on the itinerary. Uh, it, of course, the Brooklyn Nets are rolling, I think is the way to put it. You know, they they had a 12-game win streak uh, and no one really spoke about it. And, and, and it was because it wasn't surprising. Like this team rolling in the regular season shouldn't surprise people with the contributions they've gotten from the end of the bench. They have a much deeper bench than I thought they did preseason uh, guys like Yuta Watanabe. Uh, even you talk about Edmund Sumner, you talk about, you know, they sent a first round pick for Royce O'Neal. I didn't like that move for them. I thought it screamed desperation. I, I, I underestimated the value of how little he made. His contract is so small. I believe it's he signed a 436, so it's $9 million a year about. Uh, he's making so little money that usually you send out a first-round pick, you get out of 
you get 15 to 20 million in salary and a player back somewhere around there. Well, the Nets sent out a first round pick for Royce O'Neal and were able to sign TJ Warren, probably my favorite end of bench contributor for them or just reserve contributor. Uh, they were able to sign Sumner and Watanabe and, and, and these different guys for the, to, to, to just stock up their bench. And they were able to do it without having to bend over backwards financially. They've still got two max players on the team. Nick Claxton playing really well. This team is, is a well-rounded team for a regular season juggernaut. Now, we've talked all year, going back to the summer, about what this team might need in the playoffs. A lot of Net fans now saying the answer is nothing. The answer is the Nets just need continuity. They need to play on the court together, develop that chemistry that they haven't really over these last several years, considering all the on and off court drama that Kyrie Irving, James Harden and Kevin Durant as a trio brought to the table. Well, this Nets team is, is rolling now, and a lot of people don't think that it's a coincidence that they're just playing basketball. They, they don't have distractions this season uh, in the last month. I would say there have been no distractions. I think there were a lot of distractions before that. They worked harder than I've ever seen them work before to clear out those distractions, remedy them. Uh, and, and I'd say for the last month, there's been no drama out of Brooklyn, which might set a record for like uh, years for them like that. Like it's been years since we've had a month of no drama coming out of Brooklyn. But all that's come out of Brooklyn recently is wins now. Oh, and I'm going to ask you a two pronged question here. Just how good are these nets and when i say that i mean do you trust this level of production they're winning 67 and a half percent of their games do you trust this to translate to the playoffs or do you foresee a similar ending like last season a sweep in the first round maybe the truth exists somewhere in between what, what do you think i think for the nets um i think that they're going to win the win in the first round but Really, it's going to come down to like those like end of the bench kind of players, especially with KD hurt now. We're really going to see like what like what the how good they are, how they can compete. They have a big game with the Celtics tonight. No, no KD. So Kyrie and all those other guys are going to have to like really step up to contribute, and that's going to be important in the playoffs because like last year the a lot of the role players like didn't show up. Like uh, Ben Simmons didn't play, and he's going to be important to them making a run. But if they really want to make a run to the finals and compete against like the Celtics or the Bucks, it's going to be important for Katie and Kyrie. But they're going to really need like the whole everyone to be playing together and playing their best basketball. Yeah, the gelling of this team um, is really important. You know, playoff teams have that aspect of like we stick together, and there's something here that is greater than you know, just the sum of its parts. Like we are a squad. The Nets have never really had a squad. And that's nuts considering that they at one point had arguably three of the league's top 15 players. Uh, they never had a squad. They never had a group of guys that you looked at and went, that team is terrifying. We were always terrified. Yes, terrified of the individual superstars on Brooklyn, but we knew that it would never add up to, to anything real. I think this season, for the first time since Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant got together in Brooklyn, I came on WFUV Sports when they teamed up. I said they're not winning a thing. When they added James Harden, I doubled down on that take, and I said they're definitely not winning a thing. Crazy, ludicrous, ridiculous, denial, this, that. 
they've got player of the week awards at least, right? They've won. That's what they've won something. Uh, maybe I was wrong. You know, those player of the week awards really rack it up for these nets. Listen, this is the first year that I've thought to myself, this team is a move away. This team is a move away. And the, the reason I say that is because, and I told, we don't, we talked about this last week. I brought up Alex Caruso as a must acquire for this Nets team. I feel like with a trade like that, they're scarily good. Uh, and, and I actually would trust the good play to translate to the postseason. I do think that with this roster as it stands right now, there's a weak link, whether you want to, you know, whether you want to say, Hey, uh, that weak link is Joe Harris. That weak link is not having an, a star big. What, whatever it is, there's there's a weak point, and and you know, got to raise that floor a little bit, I think. And you can do that with a trade. You they have the draft picks to do it. You have Irving and Durant in the building. Go all in at this deadline. Harden was not all in because that was well, it was all in. It was it was all in on a a, a dream a dream that three superstars would just mesh together and out talent everybody. Um, but much like, you know, drafting the best wide receiver, the first three rounds in fantasy football and being like, Oh, but I have the most talent. Well, it has to make sense together. It has to fit. You have to have several aspects of things covered. You can't just have scores. You can't just have wide receivers. You need an offensive line. You need a run game. You need a quarterback, right? So you talk about basketball and you talk about, you know, my three things with the nets always no ball stopper, no interior, like stud rim protector and no depth. They've addressed the depth part with their shrewd off season moves. Warren, Watanabe, Sumner, O'Neal. Okay. You knocked that. You knocked that question off the table, Brooklyn. Seriously. Good stuff. They have depth. They have no ball stopper and they don't have a stud rim protector. Now I'm of the opinion that because they have depth, they just need to address one of these two issues to be a second, third round team. Um, again, not trying to make Alex Caruso sound like Superman here, but I really think he really helped this Nets team. Uh, you just see a different tone from them on that end of the floor. It'd be different. They're not playing to try and stop you from scoring. You're playing to try and score on them. And it's, it's a different mentality. Um, you know, talk about defense and talk about wanting to shut teams down. There's a team, as we mentioned earlier in New York, that seems to kind of have an opposite mentality of Brooklyn. We may not outscore you, but we're going to grind you down and we're going to beat you out of the gym. Uh, the New York Knicks, Tom Thibodeau's New York Knicks this season, 23 and 19. Their record again, and I bring this up every week just because I think it's fair to compare preseason expectations with current expectations. Maybe talk about how they change a little bit. Las Vegas had this team pegged for 39 and a half wins. Is that unrealistic? No, that could absolutely still happen. But it seems like the Knicks will be a tinge better than that this season, at least finishing in the you know 41 area 42 area just a little step above that 39 and a half mark i'm i'm gonna oh i'm gonna ask a question about these next to you that i think i think not enough people are talking about which is is this the kind of team you know the knicks ranked 
ninth in offense. Uh, like we know they don't have a superstar. Is this the kind of team that is greater than a sum of its parts that you are worried about in a playoff series? Or, or is your mentality at the end of the day, the NBA is a, you know, it's a dude's league. I, I say, you know, my, my version of that for the WNBA, I'll be like, she is a gal. Like that's a gal right there. Like that's a, that's a baller. Like that's a gamer, you know, you need dudes in the NBA. Um, you've seen guys on mediocre teams, take them to far further places than they ever should have been. Uh, the most famous example probably being the 2001 Philadelphia 76ers. Cause they had a dude in Allen Iverson. Now, what is your take on this Nick team as currently constructed and maybe you can factor in it you know what you think needs to happen at the deadline for them do you think that that lack of a dude is going to be a problem come playoff time do you think they have one in Jalen Brunson do you think that they actually are greater than the sum of their parts and, and can can hold up well right now they'd be playing the Sixers in the first round but Cleveland also another potential matchup for them and and that would be interesting for the media with Donovan Mitchell uh, playing some playoff basketball in Madison Square Garden. Give me your take on this Knicks team, Owen. I think like I think they have like the talent, but they don't have. I don't think they have that guy yet. Especially like Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett are all twenty point per game scores. And Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle have been playing like all stars this season, so they have like the foundation, but they don't have that guy to make take the next step. Like I think that they can make the first round and if they're playing a team like like Philly or or Cavs. I think they could maybe win that series. I mean, it would take like miraculous uh like games from Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson. And like just like you can see it in like every Knicks game that you'll watch. Like they every game they seem to go up 20 and then by the fourth quarter, eight minutes left, five point game. And then you're hoping a guy like Jalen Brunson, who the last over the last two weeks has been doing he steps up and helps them win. But I mean a team in the playoffs, like when you're going against guys like Donovan Mitchell or Joel Embiid, you're not gonna when you go up 20, you have to put them away. Like you can't let them back in the game, give them the momentum. And sometimes when the Knicks go to their bench, like you can see like the little struggles that happen or like a little like where you can just see like they're starting to fall apart and like it just all it all just crumbles after that. Yeah, I feel like the Knicks are strongly built so much so that they could come out of a first round depending on the matchup. I, I think the Nets are kind of expected to come out of the first round at this point. If we want to compare and contrast, uh, I think the Knicks, you know, are not expected to come out of the first round. I do think they are going to be a fun underdog in a first mm -hmm. round series. It, 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 they're the kind of team that you honestly don't want to see as opposed to a team like an Indiana. And we'll talk about them later, but in my opinion, that's, that's the way things are. I'd rather go up against um, a team. Indiana kind of reminds me of the, we here New York Knicks. It mm -hmm. feels to me like if you cut off the head of the snake in Tyrese Halliburton or as the Hawks did with Julius Randall, they're really screwed. Um, to me, this Knicks team, I, I was there, you know, representing WFUV sports at their game against the Milwaukee Bucks the other day, Julius Randall went 0 for 9 from 3 in the first quarter. Not the game, not the first half. In the first quarter of Knicks versus Bucks, Julius Randall attempted nine three-point shots, and not one of them went inside the rim. Now, 
by the end of the first quarter, Jalen Brunson had already taken over. That was it. Julius was done. Brunson time. But the second quarter, players need to sit, don't they? Brunson goes to the bench. Randall on. He was able to run things by himself, and he did really well. And he actually balled out in that second quarter. I think it's a strength of the Knicks to have three players that are legitimate 20-plus point-per-game scorers in Barrett, Brunson, and Randall. Uh, they have options. They have their option tree. I think of a lot, you know, I think of this all the time, you know, like the forks in the road, like every fork has more forks. Like the Knicks option tree offensively is really vast because they have three guys in the starting lineup who they can initiate plays with. They have someone in Grimes who beats guys off of closeouts really, really well. Those dump offs to Mitchell Robinson down low, finding guys in the weak side corner. He's really good at that. Like, this starting lineup clicks. Emmanuel quickly makes it click even more when he's in for one of the starters off the bench. Things just work for this Nick team. And I think a lot of this, you know, you talk about you know, Julia Moss's his take on, on the team, which is that their ceiling is actually higher than people think, but that they're being held back by coaching. I, I think you can see the argument for that in games like against Milwaukee or, in, or against Indiana or against Atlanta or against Dallas or against Toronto the first time. Um, or against Chicago, which is where the Knicks will get a big lead early and they run and hide with it. They slow down the offense. They turn on shoe clock on Madden and they run the clock down to about 10 or 11 seconds. And then Randall gets an ISO is option one. Brunson gets an ISO is option two. Grimes gets a three is probably option three. And Barrett gets an ISO is option four. Like it's just ISO offense. It's ISO offense for a whole second half of games. The purpose of it is to slow down the game and to allow the Knicks to control the tempo. But other teams will come slice the Knicks lead and force the Knicks to get back to what they were doing earlier in the game. Unfortunately for them, the other NBA head coach figured out what they were doing and also knows the adjustment, the counterattack. And so what you'll see is the Knicks get out to these big leads the leads will dissipate, 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 dissipate. And, and then things are knotted up. And you think, oh, well, they had such a big lead earlier. They're just going to get back to what they were doing and get that lead back. And you see the, 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 the scales shift and the other team overtakes them. It's happened so many times this season. And that, I think, is the argument for Julia's point that this team has an even higher ceiling than a lot of us talk about. I, I think the argument that many other coaches would do much better with this team than Thibodeau has is foolish. He's a good NBA head coach. I think he's, you know, borderline top 10 head coach in the NBA. He's close to there, in my opinion. That's really good. You know, fan bases have a lot of struggles with their coaches because they see them on a game-to-game -game basis. You know, if you have a friend that chews with their mouth open and you live with them, it's going to be much more of a problem to you than if you hang out with them once a week, right? So uh, Nick, Nick fans specifically get very frustrated with Thibodeau for things that aren't necessarily even his doing. They just kind of like, you know, if I leave the water running, I'll blame it on like my dog or something as a joke. It's like, oh, it was, it was Thibodeau. Yeah, it was, it was him. You know, <laughs> like blaming everything on him gets a little tiring. But I do think there's an argument to be made that not that this team needs a new head coach today. I think there's an argument to be made that this Nick team has much more talent than they were than they were projected to preseason. If you look at the Ringer NBA coverage, um, 
their statistics said that the Knicks had the second best young core in the league, and yet they ranked them 19th. Maybe if, you know, that's off. Something's off there. I think that number is going to, you know, maybe they're ranked sixth by the data now, but they'd actually have them eighth. Like things are closing in this season. Um, I, I think it's very interesting to see how the Knicks are growing. Now, I want to talk about something going on out West, which is two California teams kind of kind of stuck in the middle of the road right now. It feels like both the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Clippers are in or were in a rut, a slump, whatever you want to call it. The Warriors are 20 and 21. They lost Curry for a little bit this season. Not helpful, obviously. Um, the Clippers, 22 and 21, just ended a six-game losing streak. <laughs> so I, I think when you look at the top five players in the league today, Curry and Leonard probably on your list. Um, if not, top seven, Leonard, you know, whatever, wherever you've got him. I, I think that both of these teams have really strong arguments for why they can completely turn their season around. I think both teams can turn their season around. I think it's possible for both to do it, but that's no fun. Is it? We are going to have to pick one. Owen, I'm going to make you go first. If you had to pick, if you were given, uh, you know, a hundred dollar betting chip for free and you had to place it on one of the two teams, there's no cash out option. There's a, you've got to bet on either the Warriors or the Clippers to turn their season completely around. Which team are you picking? And why? I'm putting on the Clippers. I think they have more talent and depth in their lineup than the Warriors. The Warriors have a lot of like guys like Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman who are super young, but just not like showing their potential yet. Where like the Clippers have just such like so many wings, so much depth that they have is that the only thing that they're lacking is the continuity. Like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard aren't playing every single day there. Every other they're being either rested or they're have like a nagging injury, and that's their problem. It's like the same as you talk about with the Nets. It's like they just need that continuity. And I think in the if the second half of the season the Clippers can find that, they can be a dangerous team to like make a deep run in the playoffs. Where when you look at the Warriors, it's very top heavy. It's Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole if he's having a good game. Like sometimes if any of them are off, you can see that they'll just get blown out. Especially like Steph Curry's return. They lost to the Suns without Devin Booker, Aiden, uh, Chris Paul, like half their roster, and they lost. Though you you don't really see like the net like the yeah. Warriors as they good as they were last year. Listen, I think that Lou is a really strong part of that argument too. The Clippers have arguably the best coach in the NBA today. That's that's a guy I trust to, to lead a ship that needs to change direction, right? Mm-hmm. I, I am going, because we're having fun today, I'm going to disagree. And here's why. I'm going to go with the Golden State Warriors, and I know the obvious answer is, oh, well, they they won the championship last year, so they're probably still good this year, and, and the numbers are just wrong. No, 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 they're not playing good basketball like a lot of this season. Um, Yes, Andrew Wiggins finally got his flowers last season. He deserved them, right? But when Curry's out, (laughs) Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, 
none of those guys is a dude, right? So the Warriors don't have a dude if Curry's out. They have a dude junior in Jordan Poole who does his best Curry impersonation. But, I, you know, I, I don't do a very good Bill Simmons impersonation because he's much better at talking about sports than I am. I, I, it's kind of hard, right? So uh, you look at Poole trying to do his best. The kid's a stud. But I think Curry coming back is going to quell a lot of their, their, their problems. Here's why I say that. When Jordan Poole has been in the starting lineup, what's really hurt the Warriors is their bench unit. What specifically? Yes, the inexperience of players like Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody, and James Wiseman ha- has arguably been the number one cause of the poor basketball the bench unit is playing. But when Curry's back, it's not just Curry coming back. It's Poole returning to that bench unit where he can lead the ship. Now, there are a couple guys in the NBA, not a lot, but there are a couple guys in the NBA that I think are like, you know, in special teams in the NFL, like you have a special teams gunner, like there's like a lead guy, like he's the, there's a couple guys in the NBA, I think are like A plus bench gunners. Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's a starter, but I think he's one of them. He's an A plus bench gunner. Jordan Clarkson. Sorry to Riley Lucas here at WFUV, who I know isn't a big fan, but Jordan Clarkson is an A-plus bench gunner, if you ask me. Tyrese Maxey, again, starting caliber player, A-plus bench gunner. Jordan Poole, another one of those guys. He is really good at running that bench unit. And I think when Curry is, is back full-time and, and there are no concerns about you know him playing or not playing, Clay can shift back into that I play off Steph role. Dre can shift back into that I play off Steph role. This is a guy in Curry who not only popularized the term gravity in basketball discourse because he has so freaking much of it that you can't not talk about it, but he's someone who actually ends up going underappreciated, in my opinion, because of how high his level of impact is when he's not even doing anything. He just has to be out there on the court he just has to have that number 30 jersey on and his teammates are more open than they were why gravity we know what that is we've talked about it before on wfuv but i think pool back on that bench i I trust this warriors team they care about the right things kerr also a really good coach he cares about defense he cares about rebounding he's won championships before as a player as a coach with this warriors team they had a really tough time at the start of the season with the Draymond pool kerfuffle snafu episode of that sitcom there. Uh, but I, I honestly think that that did create some genuine rifts in that locker room. I was told Steph clay, you know, they always have Draymond's back Iguodala. They always have Draymond's back that time. They were like, dude, you are a moron. Like you are on your own with this one. You got to prove to us that you actually want to do what it takes to win here. Cause that's, it's from some like pretty whack stuff you just did. I think they're going to be back on track. I trust this team to be grown, to be experienced, to, to realize that the best way they can help each other is to help each other and not to just do the best they can themselves. Uh, this is not a team that runs on individual performances. Uh, you know, this is a team. And so I trust the Golden State Warriors. Oh, and before we wrap up this episode, I am going to speed round you for yes or no questions. I'm going to answer them myself. This is just to revisit later on. Revisit. This is to so that later in the season, we can't say, oh, um, 
the, the, you know, we expected this team to be this good. No, no, no. Let's, let's talk about our real expectations. Yes or no. Can the Sacramento Kings win a round in the NBA playoffs? Yes. You got, you got to trust the beam team. I'm going yes as well. It depends on the matchup, obviously, but I think they're actually good enough to do it. Can the Indiana Pacers win a round in the NBA playoffs? No, like you said before, no Halliburton. And if they trade Miles Turner, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, Miles Turner being out against the Knicks really hurt them. Uh, He forces more perimeter shots to be taken because he deters guys from the paint. And his block shots start fast breaks. Long shots start fast breaks. Um, You look at that Halliburton performance without Turner. He really struggled to create. Can the Utah Jazz, the surprise team of the season, can they win around in the playoffs? I think they're a fun team, but I really don't see them beating anyone. I agree with you, Laurie Markinen. Due to my Finnish heritage is a story I've had a lot of fun talking about this season, but I'm not sure I trust him yet to have that juice in the playoffs. I do think he might get a max contract one day, though, which is nuts. Hmm. Finally, can the Atlanta Hawks win around, Owen? Yeah, Trey Young. And if DeJounte Murray can figure it out over there, I think they could have they could win a couple. I'm going no. I think there's too much off-court drama. We'll track these answers. and. Everything else happening in the NBA here on Pick and Pod. For Owen Kelty, I'm Chris Persiad, and thanking you guys for tuning in, telling you to stick around here on WFUV Sports.